How you all doing this morning? Sure? Positive? Awesome. So good to have you here with us today. And um, if you are new, we'd love you to fill out that Lift Connected card so we can just be in contact with you. But it's good to have the sunshine happening, yes? Hey? <laughs> Some of you aren't convinced. I'm loving it. I actually got out on the golf course this week because it was sunny, so that's a good thing. It's always a good week when you get to play golf and drink coffee. We're going to be serious this morning. Um, drove back from, I'll share a little bit later, but I uh, went down uh, after church on Sunday to see my, my mum and my sister flew in from, uh, from Christchurch and, and we just spent some time as a family. And um, then uh, there was all these slips on this bit of road called the Paraparas, which is the quickest way to get to Whanganui. Um, that's why nobody goes there, because it's just a horrible, not only is it horrible to get there, but it's horrible getting there. Has anybody been to Whanganui that's in this place? Put your hand up if you've been to Whanganui. You know what I'm talking about. It's not the greatest place on the, it is better than Palmerston North, but it's not the greatest place in the world. But there's all these slips on the way down, and and because we're leaving early Tuesday morning to come back, I said to Trini, maybe we'll go the other way. Um, but the other way, there was road routes for Africa, and so it took us six hours to get home instead of four and a half hours. So, you know, God bless, God bless our roading people. Um, one way they couldn't clear slips properly, the other way they just decided to put road routes in just to annoy everybody to go that other way. So it's awesome, and um, love. Love that. Hey, um, last week, if you weren't here, we talked about community and we talked about fellowship and how fellowship is greater than community. Community uh, is people that are unified around an interest. There's something that interests them. And so they build a community around the interest. But once the interest wavers or once the interest goes, they just move on. It's not the same as fellowship. Fellowship are people that are unified around a common purpose. It's the purpose that they are unified around. So when the purpose continues on, the unification continues. And that the church, us people, um, we're called to live in fellowship with one another because we are called to live around a common purpose, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see the lost saved, the saved healed and whole, and out there making disciples. Yep, because God said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, all these things. And so we have a common purpose that unifies us. So we don't come to church because we have an interest in it. We don't come to church because it's meeting my needs. And so I'm interested in it while it meets my needs or it's doing what I want it to do or it's behaving the way that I want it to behave. No, no, we come together because we are committed to the common purpose of the kingdom. Yes? All right. And so we talked about that. We talked about what that looks like and talked about the the way that we respond to that and how, and if you haven't heard it, then I encourage you to go and listen to the podcast. But we started off with this scripture and it was Acts 2.42 and, and we're going to sit in this next week as well in this scripture. Um, and it says this in Acts 2.42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And that breaking of bread uh, sometimes is, is people 
think that it's talking about communion, and it kind of is, but it's kind of not. It's basically they got together and had meals together virtually every single day. Who doesn't like having meals together? Who just doesn't like having meals? Um, so there is something in this. I think there are three things. Last week we talked about the importance of fellowship. It doesn't say that they were devoted themselves to the community of believers, but to the fellowship of believers. They devoted themselves to the common purpose of what they were trying to accomplish. And I just can't get away from the fact that there is some real intentionality here in the scripture that describes what the early church was like. It's that whole thing of they devoted themselves. There's there's an element of responsibility that they're taking in regards to the apostles' teaching, in regards to fellowship, in regards to the breaking of bread, in regards to prayer. It's like they took that responsibility on. They devoted themselves. Nobody had to ask them. Nobody told them to. They took that upon themselves, and they took responsibility for it. Irresponsibility is when I don't take responsibility for the things that I'm responsible for. So I say that again. Irresponsibility is not taking responsibility for the things that you're responsible for. So anytime somebody is irresponsible, it's because they're not taking responsibility for what they're responsible for. And, and we actually live in a world that teaches irresponsibility because nothing is ever your fault. It's always somebody else's fault. And you shouldn't have to suffer any circumstances for any decision that you make because it's not your fault. And so there's a, there's a massive amount of irresponsibility in our world today because nobody wants to take responsibility for the things that they're responsible for. some people might have agreed with me. And here they say that they devoted themselves. They took responsibility for fellowship, for the apostles' teaching, for breaking of bread, for prayer. They took responsibility for what they were responsible for. They devoted themselves. Here's a thought for you this morning. Jesus didn't call us to accept him. He called us to follow him. And there's a difference because there's a whole lot of people all over the place that I accept Jesus, but to accept him is not to follow him. Come on, talk to me today. Don't go silent on me. You need to engage because we're two or three agree on something. So it is. Yeah. If you can't shout in the house of God, you'll never whisper in the ear of a sinner. Come on, this is the comfortable place for us to come into alignment and agreement with one another. And the problem is, is Jesus didn't call us to accept him. He called us to follow him. And I think that the problem in the church today, and I'm talking worldwide from what I can see, is that there's a whole lot of people that accept Jesus, but they don't necessarily follow him. They'll accept his salvation. They'll accept his healing. They'll accept all the stuff, but they don't necessarily follow him. Because when he asks them to do things like pick up your cross and follow me, they won't do that. When he says, don't forsake the meeting together of one another, you guys are doing this this morning, but there's a bunch of people that aren't around our world. Do not forsake the meeting together of one another. Well, I, I don't, I'm not doing that. I accept him, but it doesn't mean that I follow him. And he didn't call for our acceptance, he called for our following. While I was away, visiting my mum, I got to spend some time with my great niece. Her name's Bella, and she's really cute. 
she's about 19 months old, and um, she's she's at the stage now, you know, at that age where they get to where they they have to feed themselves. You know that stage where they're feeding themselves, and and um, her her dad Zion gave her a packet of a uh, little packet of potato chips, and she op- he opens up the packet for her, and, and what does she do? She tips it all out on the couch. And then sits beside it with her all over the couch. She's going, it's like, you weird child. Just leave it in the bag. Put your hand in there. You know, as she's tipping it out, I can see the look on, on, on mum and dad's face. They're like, uh, too late. It's already all over the couch. It's already all over there. And she's really, really cute. But praise God, my kids are past that age. She's in the, in the self-feeding stage. You know, and all, all of us, including our kids, have all gone through those stages. You know, all your children go from that stage of breastfed, bottle-fed, to being spoon-fed. Remember, remember when you start spoon-feeding them, but they decide that they want their own spoon as well, and, and they've got food on their spoon, and you've got food on your spoon, and there's two spoons going in the mouth at the same time, and, and if you try to stop them from putting their spoon in their mouth, then, then all hell breaks loose. And then there's food everywhere. There's food on the floor. There's food on your face. There's just food everywhere. But we go, oh, that's cute. That's nice. Why? Because we want them to eventually be able to feed themselves so that we don't have to do it for them. And they move on from that stage to where they actually start to feed themselves. And that can be messy as well until they actually can use a knife and a fork and are able to do things properly and and all that sort of stuff. And, and I can remember those stages with our children, but I can't remember me learning to self-feed. I, I can't remember. I don't have memories of, of here comes the aeroplane. You know, like I, I don't have those memories of myself personally. I know that my mum and dad must have taught me to feed myself because I can do it now. But I don't have memories of, of mum and dad putting food on a spoon or a fork and placing it in my mouth. But I know that they did because otherwise I wouldn't be able to eat real solid food. And I'm really glad that my kids are through that stage where they can actually feed themselves. We can go out to a restaurant and the food stays on the plate and a little bit on the top. I'm glad I'm through that stage. And the Apostle Paul says here in Hebrews 5, 11 to 14, He's talking to the church and he's saying, by this time, you ought to be teachers yourselves. Yet here I find you need someone to sit down with you and go over the basics on God again. Starting from square one, baby's milk, when you should have been on solid food long ago. Milk is for beginners, inexperienced in God's ways. Solid food is for the mature who have some practice of telling right and wrong. You know, if I was out to dinner in, in Pukekohe, say at Monarch, and, and I'm there with Trinity, and, and you go walking past that restaurant, and you look in the window, and you can see that we're both sitting down to eat, and, but you see that Trinity's cutting up my steak into bite-sized pieces. You would probably walk past and go, that's a bit odd. That's a bit strange that Trinity still has to cut up his food. 
yes? But you would probably absolutely lose it as she puts a piece on her fork and starts to feed me. You'd be like, what the heck is going on? The only kind of stuff that you should, you know, it's, it's, it would be all right if it was grapes or chocolate. Bow, bow, bow. But you'd be like, what is wrong with you? You're an adult. Feed yourself. It's not normal or natural for somebody who is no longer a baby to not be feeding themselves. It's weird. Yes? Do I get agreement from everybody? And everybody knows this from a physical food perspective. But what about from a spiritual perspective? It's not normal and it's not natural for someone who's been a Christian for a long time, who's not a new believer, to not be able to feed themselves spiritually. If, you, if, you're, if you're new to Christ, it's okay. You don't, you don't have to. Just like when babies are born, they can't feed themselves. But if you've been in Christ for five or six years or more, you should be self-feeding. It's not normal and it's not natural that you can't feed yourself spiritually. And so the question is always this, who's responsible for my spiritual growth? Who's responsible for, for me to be fed spiritually? Well, the sad thing is, 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 is my observation, if I'm honest with you over the years, that many Christ followers expect someone else to grow them spiritually. They want the church to do it. When it comes to their teenagers, they want the church to do it. But here's the thing. My spiritual growth is not your responsibility. My spiritual growth is my responsibility. And your spiritual growth is not my responsibility. It's your responsibility. Because if you think it's my job to grow you spiritually, then you're wanting to be spoon-fed. The only way I can put it is this way. I joined the gym prior to the big lockdown. It's not been going well. It was, and then the lockdown happened, and since then, I just haven't been able to get my head back in the game. And just like it's not the gym's responsibility to help me lose weight and get in shape. You see, I can join the gym, I can hire a trainer, which is my sister-in-law, and I think she's just given up on me. But if I don't actually show up, if I choose not to exercise, if I decide after showing up to go and have burgers, fries, and a milkshake, whose fault is it that I'm not losing weight? Is it the gym's fault? Yes, it's not their fault. I've got a trainer, I've got the gym, I've got all the equipment, I've got an eating plan that I should be on, I've got all the necessary tools for me to lose weight and get in shape and if I'm not losing weight and getting in shape, whose fault is it? It's my fault. It's not their fault. It's my fault. And here's the thing. Spiritual infancy is a really serious problem in the church today. Spiritual infancy is the inability of a Christian to spiritually feed oneself, resulting in an unhealthy dependence on supplementary nourishment. 
you know those five-minute reels that you watch of Stephen Furtick on Facebook? You know, the two-minute little message that you see on Instagram and you feed off that because that's how you feed. That's not self-feeding. That is being dependent on somebody else to feed you. And the problem with two-minute clips and five-minute clips, it's not that those guys are bad preachers. It's just you're just getting a slice of meat, not the whole steak. And that will lead to malnourishment for you spiritually. Instead of becoming self-feeders, lots of Christians become dependent on others to feed them. And when you're a spiritual infant, that's awesome. When you've just come to Christ, that's what you want. You want people to feed you, to help you. Just like, you know, when my kids were six months old, I didn't hand them a knife and a fork and said, you know, feed yourself or die. When you're a spiritual infant, it's great that people feed you, but you're not to stay an infant. We're not to continue drinking milk. You don't want to become dependent on me and other leaders to study the Bible for you and tell you what it means. You need to learn to feed yourself. If we are going to survive, if we're going to get through, if there's one thing that I think that that the pandemic in the last two years has done, it's either forced you into self-feeding or you've just walked away. Because you can't survive all that time just on a snippet on a Sunday. The church does have a responsibility and a role to help you grow spiritually. Absolutely it does. That's why we meet corporately for worship. That's why we preach biblical truths, I believe. That's why we have small groups and and teams that you can serve on. Why, Why do we do all that? Is it because we need a whole lot of work done? Yes, but that's not the real reason. The real reason why we have all those things is because it helps you grow spiritually. It helps you to mature. Nothing matures you more than serving on a team with somebody who just has sandpaper ministry written all over them. They just constantly rub you up and get the wrong way, yes? Yet iron sharpens iron. And the thing is, you can get a sharp axe and you can chop up a whole lot of wood, but sooner or later the wood will eventually blunt the axe. The axe needs another piece of iron for it to sharpen itself. And so we need one another. We need each other. But here's the thing. I I can't make you turn up on Sundays. I can't make you join a small group. I can't make you serve on a team. And I'll never do that. I'll never manipulate you or push you or nag you or... Until you do something, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because you have to choose to do this. You have to choose to turn up. You have to choose to be part of a small group. You have to choose to serve in a team. You have to choose to have a quiet time or have time with God every day. You have to choose to be a follower. You have to choose to go after it. The Bible says that they devoted themselves. They made a choice to do this. It is our responsibility as a Christian community to provide conditions for your spiritual growth but then you have to take the initiative of those things to feed yourself spiritually so that you grow. It's just a little too in your face this morning. You see, what I love about church is that 
we can come together and we have people that encourage us. We can have environments that encourage us, like Sundays and small groups and all those sort of things, and, and all those things to provide spiritual growth. And all of that is fantastic. But, but I have a sinking feeling that many Jesus followers in this time, in this generation, haven't taken personal responsibility for the state of their relationship with God. They blame the church. They blame past pastors. They blame the pandemic. They blame all sorts of things for why they haven't grown spiritually. And the crazy thing about that is that Paul, the apostle Paul, rebuked the church in First Corinthians chapter three. He said that you know he basically said to them, "Your behaviour is worldly and childish because you are spiritually immature." So, what do you do in your life that helps you grow? in relationship with Jesus? Like, is that a priority for you? Do you sit down and think, with everything I've got going on in my world, where is the time I'm setting aside to grow in my relationship with Jesus? Because as I've said before, and I'll say it again, like, no problem with people going off to university and getting all their degrees and all that sort of stuff. I think that's awesome. But we've got to be careful that we don't put so much time and energy into the here and now when actually, if we put that same amount of time into our spiritual walk, walk, it sets us up for the later. The here and now is awesome, but eternity is really what we're after. What barriers do you face in the way of growing your faith personally every day? We, we all have barriers, yes? We all have barriers. So I was talking to somebody this week who said, Man, my time is so crazy that I'm just not really getting my quiet time with God. So what I'm doing on my way to work is I'm listening to the Bible. Uh, I've got my version app open and I'm listening to the Bible and I've just got the Bible playing as I'm driving. I think that's absolute smart. Because what else are you going to listen to? The radio? You know, like, what if you've got barriers, what are you doing to... Break down those barriers. Are you asking God to show you ways that you can put some things in place, implement some things in place? You know, I've had heaps of people tell me, oh, you shouldn't be mowing the lawns at the church. It's, it's not the role of the pastor. I love mowing the lawns at the church because guess what? It's a whole hour and a half without any interruptions. And I put my headphones on, I got worship going, and nobody can hear me singing because the lawnmower is so loud. And I, I have an hour and a half of worship and prayer with God on the lawnmower. Don't come and disturb me when I'm mowing the lawns. What 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 barriers do you face, and what do you need to do to change those? Oh, you know, I know. I, I just I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. No, you'll make time for what's a priority to you. We have to become a self feeder. We have to be able to feed ourselves spiritually on the Word of God. Worshipping together, listening to biblical teaching once a week on a Sunday will not sustain your spiritual strength. Let me put it this way. Corporate convincing cannot replace personal convictions. Corporate convincing cannot replace your personal convictions. Just relying on what we do corporately is not enough. 
coming together corporately is good because it can enhance your convictions. It can encourage us in our personal walk. It can be a place to equip us with our God purpose. And it can be a place where the expression of God is made to us and to the world around us. The responsibility, however, for the spiritual growth is yours and it's ours. It's both. It's not either or, but it's both. We have a responsibility to make sure that what we do here on a Sunday feeds you, but also you have a responsibility that what you do Monday to Saturday feeds you. So what is a self-feeder? A self-feeder is a person who has learned how to have a daily time with God. And because they're having a daily time with God, because they've invested that time, he or she has learned to be fed and nourished by God without the help of others. And that doesn't mean that we don't want others' help. I mean, you know, as Rima shared this morning, you know, texting out, hey man, I just need some prayer. I'm going through a difficult time. There's nothing wrong with that. But if he's not seeking God for himself in the midst of his trial, if he's not seeking God and saying, God, speak to me, and he's just relying on everybody else, then that's a problem. To me, being a self-feeder answers the old age adage of give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, but teach a man to fish and you feed him for life. You see, a self-feeder is not only nourished by spending time with God, but as one grows, they become closer to God and actually closer to others. And the benefits of being a self-feeder are huge. Self-feeders produce a growing sense of satisfaction and contentment in life, regardless of circumstances. When you're self-feeding, it doesn't matter what you're going through, because you have got your plenty of food on board, spiritual food on board, the circumstance doesn't rock you, the circumstance doesn't shift you, you know, that's the whole thing of blessed in the Beatitudes. And where blessed means that there, there's something on the inside of you, a joy on the inside of you that cannot be shaken in spite of circumstances and situations. And so how, how do you get made redundant and not panic? Because there is a self-feeding sense where, where Rimmer has stored up food on the inside of him that just says, I know God is going to come through for me. I know the circumstances don't look good. And I know the story started off in a job. $30,000 less than what he was earning. That's a big chunk. But God kept on moving. Then he got offered another job that was going to give him what he wanted, but it just didn't sit right as the right option for him. And so, you know, so then you start going, but, but that'll, that'll feed my, that, that's the money I need to feed my family. Maybe I should take that. But no, there was a sense on the inside that says, hold on a sec, what is God saying? Now I'm going to keep on going in this job that's 30 grand less than a year. And then had a conversation with the boss and got absolutely everything that he wanted. Why? Because God takes care of you. But if you're not self-feeding and you don't have that solid mass of spiritual food on the inside of you to keep you sustained, then every circumstance and every situation is going to rock you and shake you to pieces. And yes, the church has a responsibility, but it's not enough. It's not enough. When I sit down and I think about and pray about, God, what do you want to say to the church this year? I, I, can, I can plan it all out, but there's so much I can talk about. There's so many things that we could cover here. You know, there's just so much in the Bible that we could talk about. 
we can't cover everything in a year. We can't cover everything in two years, three years, four years, five years, or even 30 years. We can do different things, but you've got to be feeding yourself. The other thing is that they bring about a deeper level of security in their life, in the now and the next, because they're self-feeding. They know who they are. They know where they stand. Here's some other benefits of self-feeding. It gets you close to God. It gets you to know his voice. It gets you revelation that results in your activation. God speaks to you and it actually moves you to do something. It develops your non-negotiable convictions that form and shape your life. You become a giver, not a taker in God's church. Self-feeding will help you in the storms of life. Self-feeding will help you stay planted in the church. Because there's no need, friend, to ship around for the perfect church because there isn't one. There's not a perfect church. And when I've looked around for churches in my life, I haven't looked around for a church that's going to meet my need. I've, I've searched around for a church that preaches biblical-based sound doctrine. That's what I want. Because when I get fed on a Sunday, I want it to be sound. Are you with me? Here's the biggest one. Self-feeders don't expect the church to be for them what only Jesus can be. Now, I say this at risk. I was talking to a friend this week about, about this message, and he said to me, are you trying to grow a church, or are you trying to shrink your church? I'm trying, hopefully, to help us become followers not people that accept Christ, but people that follow Christ. But the church, us, the leadership team, we cannot be for you what actually Jesus is meant to be for you. We can't. I can't be there every minute of your day, every moment of your life. I can't do everything that you feel that you need. The church cannot do everything. The, the, any church that says, we can look after everybody. In my opinion, they're, they're lying because somehow we've got to run a church that caters from zero through to 100. How do you do that? It's impossible. You can't. You can't meet everybody's needs. And here's the thing. The church was never called to meet everybody's needs. Jesus is the one who's meant to meet everybody's needs. This house is meant to be a place where you are equipped and spiritually matured so that you can meet the needs of others. And when we think the church has to meet my needs, that's when you'll start to get upset. That's when you'll start to get offended. That's when you'll start to get all upset because the church can't be for you what only Christ can be. I do love you all very, very much. So how do we self-feed is the question, yes? Well, first thing is I want to encourage you to start doing what I call what, what soap journaling. Soap is what they've been doing at youth, and it's awesome. Soap is something that I've done for a long, long time in my life. It, it's feeding on God's word every day, and I guarantee you it will sustain your spiritual strength. So how does soap work? What you want to do is you want to get yourself a journal. You want to get yourself something that you can write in. As you read the scripture, there's going to be a verse. If you pray beforehand, this is what I do. God, speak to me this morning as I read your word. 
as I read his word, there's usually a verse that jumps out of him. It just gets my attention. It just seems to stand out from the others. So I write that verse down in my journal. And then, and then I think, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to me? And so to the best of my ability and the best to your ability, write out what that verse means to you. Write out how it's speaking to you. Write out what you feel like God is saying to you. And then what is the breakthrough thought? In other words, what is the big idea in behind this piece of scripture? Let, 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 me, let me show you a little bit. Um, you know, the, the famous scripture that you get quite a lot in church. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Completely taken out of context by just about every single person, including preachers. Because Paul is saying, I know what it is to have little. In other words, not have very much. And I know what it is to have heaps in other words, an abundance of supply. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So in other words, what he's saying is it doesn't matter whether I have little and whether I have much. What I can do in God is never, never, ever about what I have in my hand, but what he has in his heart. Well, I can't do much for God because I don't have much. No, no, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens it's, it's not, It's not a scripture that makes... You think that you can go around and do whatever you want. It's not what Paul is talking about. Paul is saying, in my life, I've learned it really doesn't matter what I have. Whatever God has called me to do, I can do. That's the big thought of it. And so as you do a soap, you sit down and you go, man, okay, so what does that mean for me? What does that look like for me? Are you with me? And then how can I apply that to my life? Write down practically, what can I do this week? You know, love your neighbor as yourself. What can I do this week that shows my neighbor I love them? Not elbow them in the rib while they're sitting in church. Be so quiet with me today. How, how can I apply it to my life? And then what do I need to tell God today? Write down what you want to pray about or thank God for or talk to him about. Hey, God, I thank you that you spoke to me first, but I'm really struggling with that whole thing. I, don't, I, re- I know that's what you're calling me to do, but I don't know if I can do it. So would you strengthen me? Would you write that all down? And I'm telling you, if you do that, your spiritual maturity and your spiritual strength will go to a whole other level. And here's the thing. I'm not asking you to do it for hours or an hour. In fact, we, we, have, a, we have a saying here. We haven't pushed it for quite a while, but we, we have a thing here that we've pushed a few times called My 15. My 15. It's 15 minutes a day, five minutes of worship, five minutes of the Word, and five minutes of prayer. Everybody can do that. We can all do that. And you know what? As God speaks to you and as that becomes comfortable, maybe you go to a my 30. I don't know. But we can all do my, we can all do five minutes of worship, five minutes of prayer, and five minutes of the word. 15 minutes. We can do that. Some of you spend longer than that on the toilet looking at your phone, on Facebook and Instagram. So you can do this. We can do this. Because that's how we grow spiritually. What's the other thing that we can do? Well, we can take notes on Sunday. Hence why we've got a little notes thing in the seat pocket in front of you where you can write down what it is that God's speaking to you. There's the version app that you can download onto your phone which has 
a whole lot of different versions of the Bible and reading plans and all sorts. And here's the really exciting thing about it, is that soon there's going to be a revived Pukekohe thing in New Version where you can look up our church and we're going to have uh, Bible studies in there, in there that you can do that relates to what we're talking about in church on Sunday. It's going to be personalized for us. How cool is that? Yeah. I don't know how it works. It's Trinity's problem. Here's another thing that will help you grow spiritually. Be friendly. Be friendly because we need each other. Oh, nobody talks to me. You be friendly. Proverbs 18, 24 says, he, he who wants friends must himself be friendly. Like if you've been in this church for 12 months or longer, you shouldn't be waiting for people to come and talk to you. You should be going and talking to them. Yes, the church has a responsibility to be friendly. Yes, the church has a responsibility to be welcoming and inviting. But guess who becomes the welcoming and inviting friendly people? You. Not just the leaders. Sorry. Here's another thing you can do. Put your hand up to serve. Don't wait to be asked. I'm just waiting for someone to come and ask me. No. No, he said, come follow me. And he didn't wait. He got moving. And if you if you drop the ball in that moment, guess what? You got left behind. Don't wait to be asked. Put your hand up. Say, I want to do it. You can sign up today out in the foyer for one of those things. Here's another thing that's really helped me. Um, if you can afford it, awesome. There's a there's an online Bible college called Theos U. I think it's about fifteen dollars a month. Yes, Trinity. I don't know. Can't remember how much it is, but it's not a huge amount. But I want to tell you, if you want to grow spiritually, you want to sign yourself up to a Theos U. T H E O S capital U. You sign up to that, and it's just a whole lot of stuff on there. Church history, uh, doctrine of suffering, like just a whole. And, and some good stuff as well. How to use your spiritual gifts and, and all this. But there's just a whole lot of stuff on there that'll help you grow spiritually. Small groups is another way that you can grow spiritually. Read some books that will grow you spiritually. If you want some some titles, I'm more than happy to, to tell you some books to buy. Don't buy Mills and Boone. Buy a spiritual book. Help yourself grow. And here's another thing. Be teachable. Be teachable. I think we live in a world that has become unteachable and arrogant in all of its beliefs that it holds. And I think we've got to be teachable. I think we've got to be open to the idea that actually our opinions may be wrong. Not yours, just mine. All these things will help you become a self-feeder and grow spiritually. But here's the thing. You have to want to do this for yourself. I can't do it for you. God won't do it for you. You have to devote yourself to this. Yeah? And here's the thing. Just like kids, when they first self start self-feeding, 
it can be really, really messy. Food can be all over the place. Yes? It's no different when we start to self-feed ourselves spiritually. Sometimes the things that we think or the things that we feel like God is saying to us can be all over the place. But it's okay. It's okay. That's why we've got other people around you to help you to make sure you don't go off on some crazy tangent. But it's okay if it's messy. It's okay if you get into a connect group and you're like, man, this one's not really going for me because there's other ones. It's, it's okay if it's messy when we start off. It's okay if we're messy when we initially start to self-feed because it's no different than when in the natural kids start to feed themselves. But here's the thing, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it to go out to a restaurant with your kids when they're older. And, and not only can they feed themselves, but they can also pay for themselves. It's worth it. It's worth it. Here's the thing that I'm, I suppose I'm asking of you. It's not asking that the same devotion that you give to your family, the same devotion that you might give to your career, the same devotion that you might give to your hobbies, the same devotion you might give to getting ahead in life, that same devotion, I want you to bring that to your spiritual growth. I want you to bring that to your spiritual growth. I want you to do that because Matthew 6, 33, and you've heard this a hundred times probably from this pulpit because I think it's the key in our walk with Christ. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Before that scripture there's people worrying about how we're going to feed ourselves, how we're going to clothe ourselves. And Jesus says, Don't, why do you worry about that stuff? Look at the birds. They don't store up food, but yet they're fed. Look at the flowers and how beautiful they are. Look at this, look at this. Look how God looks after all of creation. Are you not worth more than all of that? So don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough problems of its own. But seek first above all else, him and his kingdom, and live righteously. What does that mean? Walk right with God. And all these things that you worry about, guess what? They'll be added. They'll be added. They'll be added. They'll be added. But we have to feed ourselves. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. And look, you're like, oh, that's right. You're a pastor. You get, you get paid to eat spiritually. Possibly. Doesn't mean that I'm always good at it. I have a season, yes, about six or seven years ago, and I've shared this with you guys before, where I basically quit doing that. I only held up my Bible for six months. Some of you are like, I was forgetful. You were preaching. And all that time, you weren't even picking up your Bible. Yeah. I was I was in such a depressed state. It would take me all week to put message together. Let alone pick up my Bible. I, I'm telling you, I'm not I'm not trying to say to you this is easy and you guys just need to do this. I know how hard it is when when you're going through the toughest of scenarios. I know how hard it is. I think what got me through that six months was all the feeding I'd done prior to it. And here's my concern is that if you're not self-feeding 
If you face a tough time like that, you have nothing to bring off in that season. We all have wilderness seasons. And in the wilderness season, the only food that will sustain you is the food that you get from God, just like it was for the Israelites as they went through the desert. So it is for us. The only thing that will sustain you is that food. So I couldn't pick up my Bible and read it in that six months, but I could listen to it. So that's what I did. You can do it too. You can excel here. We'll we'll do everything we can to help you in any way that we can. But we can't be for you who Christ is meant to be for. So we'll feed you the best we can from here, but you have to suffer during the week. And if you do that, I'm telling you, you will grow in such a way that even the dreaded circumstances and situations won't shake you because you've built your life upon the Lord. Don't ever close your eyes just for a moment. And I want to ask you this morning, if you're here and you're like, man, uh, I'm not, I want to become a self-leader. I might be struggling with it right now, but I, I want to become a self-leader. I want to become someone who takes responsibility for my spiritual growth. Would you pray for me that God would help me this week, next week, for the rest of my life to help me to be someone who's constantly self-feeding and someone who's walking in their walk of life. That's you here today and you're like, man, pray for you. Would you pray for everyone? No one's looking around. He's going to ask you shortly to put up your hand as soon as I say it. You can put it down and we're going to pray for you. Then God will come and show us how to feed ourselves and nourish ourselves spiritually. And then we'll deliver you. Like I said, we'll give you that hand here. But, but true growth doesn't come through the pulpit. True growth comes from your time with God. So if you're here and you're like, man, pray, could you pray that I can become a self feeder? Why don't you just put up your hand right now in this place? Awesome. Thank you for putting down everybody else. Awesome. Awesome. Let's let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us on our own and you don't leave us to starve, but you give us everything that we could need to grow spiritually. I pray, God, that we would become people that feed on your word. That in the natural, for us to become hungry, we don't eat. But in the spiritual, to become hungry, we do eat. And I pray, God, the more that they feed on your word, the more that they do things that help us grow spiritually, God, the more addicted that they would get to it, and the more that they would want it, and that we would see, Lord, in their own life, a strength come in like they've never experienced before. Lord, that we would be able to say, hey, we've devoted ourselves to the word. We've devoted ourselves to grow. We've devoted ourselves to the breaking of bread, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, and to prayer. We've done that. And Lord, that we would see the same transformation take place in our lives and the lives of those around us as we saw in the early church because of that devotion. Help us, I pray, to be devoted to you in every single way. In Jesus' name.